Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with new medical personnel from the stars, new nostalgic songs to make you smile, a brand new magical adventure, and stories from my recent journey to Las Vegas. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. Also on this week's podcast, I apparently can't come up with any adjectives besides new, but there is a lot in this week's podcast. You may have noticed based on the timestamp that this episode of the Going Upcast is the longest by far, and that is predominantly due to the fact that I went to Las Vegas and I did a little travel diary play-by-play recounting at the end of each of my days. So it is the majority of the podcast for sure but we still have some of our old school classics we got song of the week we talk about the new harry potter chapters that will be landing this week and i talk a little bit about the newest doctor who and what i thought about jody whittaker but we're going to start off right into my journey into las vegas with some sleepy time before the flight hey everybody now this is a late time podcast recording thing because it is the night before my flight out to Las Vegas. Now something I wanted to do this time around, well I say this time around, this has never happened before, but one thing I wanted to do for the podcast is I wanted to do a travel diary type situation where I document it um, kind of in real time and we can explore that adventure throughout this episode of the podcast. So starting off right now, I've got my bag packed. Um, I have my uh, my toiletry bag still in the bathroom because naturally, like I have to do a full day of work tomorrow before I actually fly out uh, to Vegas. I land at like nine o'clock at night or something like that. Not a whole lot of time to do much of anything, um, especially after a long day. Except like go home and sleep is my plan at least, or go to my dad's place and sleep. I should say. And um, I did a little bit of research uh, today things to do in Vegas, that sort of thing, um, and basically I've got like three full days of Vegas time, and I've kind of worked out how I want to split it up, I talked to my dad and see what, see what he's down for, but, um, I plan on at least spending one evening doing the good old-fashioned Vegas gambling night kind of thing, um, I've already got my money, like, moved, into their correct accounts and all that kind of stuff, how much I'm willing to lose, that sort of thing. I've got all that figured out. I uh, did a little bit of rudimentary um, research on how to play certain games. Um, like, I'm pretty familiar with the vast majority of casino games, like poker and blackjack and roulette and obviously the slot machines. But I wasn't ever sure how to play craps or baccarat, which are also very popular. I'm probably going to give baccarat a pass. just seems boring to me. Um, might give craps a shot though. I finally figure out how to play that, so it's super simple. Um, so I might give that a whirl. Uh, probably not going to touch roulette simply because the odds of you winning are pretty low. Um, so you know, might might give it a shot just to say I've done it. You know, that sort of thing. Kind of want to try everything um, as long as it doesn't take too long. Might do a couple of rounds of blackjack. I do love my me some blackjack. Um, but I don't want to touch poker because it's just going to take forever and I know I'm going to lose. Um, cause it's just, it's just, no, it's, I don't need, I don't need that. Don't need that. Don't need that poker life. I'll do pretty much anything else though. Definitely going to do some slots. Um, cause I just want to. So, uh, I've never been to Vegas before. I'm very excited. I've been looking into some of the alternate activities you can do in Vegas. Cause you know, gambling is just kind of like, you might win big, but you won't. Um, so it's kind of 
kind of throwing money away. And it's one of those things. It's like, would you rather spend $300 at the casino and maybe get away with like $250 by the end of the night? Or would you rather spend this money on an experience where you know you'll have a good time just kind of a, as a flat fee? Like, there's a rooftop golf course like driving range thing that they like bring you drinks and stuff. And I'm like, that sounds fun. I'll do that, you know? That's a fun thing, you know? That's like guaranteed, kind of. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards spending my money on those sorts of activities instead of just pissing it away at a craps table or something like that. So previously, before my trip, I would have been really excited to do the stratosphere. Um, but I'm older and wiser now than I was when I first found out about this ridiculous ride. And if you don't know what it is, on top of the stratosphere hotel, there are three rides. Two of them are garbage. And one of them, you're like strapped in. And, and like a crane arm, and it swings you out, spins you in a circle, and then the seats kind of like start to lift up and away from the ground, so you're facing the ground as you spin around, and the only thing that's holding you in is the shoulder straps, and you're like a thousand feet in the air, so I'm good, um, like part of me still kind of wants to do it just to say I did it, but apparently it's also kind of expensive, and I'm just like, eh, like if it was free, sure, but I don't want to spend money take this elevator all the way up to the top of the fucking thing to get my fucking bean freaked because I'm being spun around a thousand feet. I'm I'm good. I'd rather go skydiving, quite frankly. Um, and I also want to explore some of the nature in that area of Nevada. You know, like the big canyons and the red rocks and the plains and the, the lakes and all that stuff. It's not nature I usually get to experience, so I do want to experience it. So, like, in my head, that's one of the days. Like, we'll make some sandwiches, and we'll just head out into the nature, away from the strip and all that stuff. Still want to do a strip. Don't get me wrong. The way I see it, I've got three days. I want to do a Casino Las Vegas day. I want to do a Nature Nevada day, or Nevada, however you pronounce it. And I want to do a day where I just fucking chill. And I think that's going to be, like, the middle of the vacation. Because, like, my dad has a pool, and... It's been so long since I've just been able to fucking relax and just hang out. I want to do at least one day of that. So those are my plans, at least. Like I said, I have a full day of work tomorrow. I'm already packed. Got to go to the airport at, like, 4. Flight's at, like, 6.45. Check in. Check the bag. Get through security. Get my Qdoba. Get my bottle of water. Get my little thing of hand sanitizer. Do all my, you know, traveling routines, my traveling, you know, um, oh, it's not a traveling routine, do my ritual, there it is, traveling rituals, go to the gate, sit down, eat my kidoba, that sort of thing, um, very excited, but, uh, you know what, I think that'll do it for this, um, pre-trip segment, and, uh, next time you guys hear from me from Vegas, it'll be the end of day one, so, uh, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hey everybody, it is super late at night on officially day one of me being in Vegas. I am going to take a nice, kind of quiet second here to uh, really just kind of lay down the law and let you know what Vegas is like so far. So, I worked a full shift today, went home, got my stuff. Took a quick little shower, hopped in the car, and went off to the airport, which, as I've 
stated previously, is one of my all-time favorite places in the world. Completed my airport rituals of getting a bottle of smart water and going to Qdoba and doing all that jazz before I boarded my flight. And uh, when I got on the plane, I had seat 32C. Um, I did pick it out ahead of time, but apparently I decided to be at the very back of the plane like a fool. Um, had an aisle seat. It was all set up good to go. Some people came down later on and they were like, oh, I'm sitting in the middle seat here and you're sitting in the middle seat there. And then they came over to me and were like, do you mind switching with us so we can sit together? And I was like, ah, sure, it's fine. And so I swapped over and spent the rest of my flight sitting next to a, uh, an elderly man who um, was quite the conversationalist, I must admit. Most of the time I'm irritated when people try to talk to me on planes. Um, but he was nice. He was a he was a kind old man. Told some pretty funny jokes. Made me laugh pretty hard. He was a good guy. Don't know his name. Never asked his name. I'll never see him again. So he was a pleasant he was a pleasant man, um, for sure. He was like a he used to be a cop and now lives in Alaska and he fishes all the time and it's he's a pretty cool pretty cool dude. And by the time I got off the flight, it was like nine o'clock in the evening, and I've I had been awake at that time for fourteen hours. Call my dad, let him know it's time to come pick me up. And he's like, I got tickets to a rooftop pool party. Do you want to go? And every fiber of my body was just like, Man, I'm so tired. I don't think this is a good idea. But I was like, You know what? I'm in Vegas. Yeah, let's, all right, let's, let's go to the pool party. And we go to this place near the Flamingo. It wasn't the Flamingo exactly. I think it was, oh, fuck, I, think it was like, I think it was called something else, but I can't remember right now off the top of my head. Anyway, we, we go to this place, and he's got the tickets on, like, these little pieces of paper. And um, we start going through security and stuff, and they have these blue light-up bracelet things that, um, if I remember, I'll take a picture of and put it up on the blog along with a picture of the actual pool party area. But as we're going through security, um, I put on, like, my one button-up shirt. You know, I looked, I looked pretty nice, and my dad looked really nice, and we go through security. And um, as they boop in the tickets... Uh, the person with the ticket, like, booping him in and checking us in, looked over at me and goes, Welcome to the party, Stefan. And I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and we get our little bands, and we go up the elevator, and I've been to um, college parties in the past, but the best, like, quick, off-the-top-of-my-head example I can give for this party was picture... The beginning of Iron Man 2, when it's the expo, and he's, like, showing up, and there's, like, ACDC playing, and um, he, like, just flies in, and everybody's cheering, and the music's really loud, and there's a bunch of lights and shit, and it was intense. It was like walking into a movie set. The place was so freaking loud, and there were people everywhere. Um, apparently, it was some kind of, like, business function. It wasn't just a party for whatever. It was, there was a party with a purpose. Um, but you could not perform <laughs> any kind of networking or business shit at all at that place. It was so freaking loud. We had to move to, like, the absolute other end of the party in order to hear each other talk. But, um, we get up there, and it's a bunch of people, and they're all dancing, and it actually was playing ACDC. Like, we walked into Shook Me All Night Long, and I'm like, this is my favorite ACDC song. This is a great party. So, you know, had some had some fun, just like people watching and all that stuff, and we ended up on like a an open air, you know, it's a rooftop. So 
out from the stage area, it just kind of opens up. And um, you can see like the whole strip, and we're basically across the street from the Bellagio at the. And we, I took a picture of like the pool where the fountain usually is, and it's a huge freaking pool. Um, it was very, it was very, very neat. Uh, we got our free drinks because um, usually at those places you don't pay for drinks. And um, it was this little, I think it was Belvedere, Belvedere vodka had like this little ice booth where they were just making vodka sodas, and you can just get one. Um, I'm not a big fan of vodka. And I'm also not a big fan of club soda. And it was a mixture of both. And so it was fine. <laughs> I don't know enough about vodka to tell you if Belvedere is good vodka or bad vodka. But I drank some of it, you know, pleasant enough. And by that time, it was like 11 o'clock. And I just look over at my dad and I'm like, all right, I'm good. Let's go. And so we hopped back in the car and drove to his place. And I unloaded my stuff and set up in his uh, king-sized guest bed, which is very comfortable. I'm in it right now with my eyes shut, just kind of, I can stretch out arm to arm and I can't feel the edges of the bed. It's very large. It's very nice. I'm a big fan of this bed. Um, I don't know what's on the rocket docket tomorrow. Um, I imagine taking it fairly easy throughout most of the day and then um, in the evening time we'll probably go and get dinner and someplace pretty, pretty nice and get some good grub and I'm looking forward to it. But that was a that was day one. Overall, the flight was very good. Um, I laughed pretty hard when I got off the plane, and you know, people were always like, "Oh yeah, there's slot machines and like machines and stuff in the airport." And I'm like, "I'm expecting like one or two. It was kind of wall to wall like machines for you to just roll up and just try your luck and just do it." Um, who knows? I might might do a little bit of that while I'm waiting for my flight. I imagine that's kind of the uh, the draw, like while you're waiting for your flight, you just sit down and just gamble and hope for the best. So I don't know. I don't know, but um, it's it was a pretty decent airport. Didn't see much of it to be honest, because I was like in and out, grab my bag, and then I just bailed. So I imagine I'll see more of it on a Saturday when I fly home. So, but so far so good. Digging Vegas, and my suspicion was correct. You leave the strip, and Vegas gets kinda. I don't want to say seedy, but compared to the obscene glitz and glamour of the strip everything seems so much more demure by comparison um again i'm sure it's perfectly fine i know there's lots of lovely people in vegas um but i was also like very amused by the fact that like there is no subtlety on the strip i know it's supposed to be like that but companies you wouldn't expect to be loud and proud were super loud and proud. Like, there was a Motel 6 sign that was ludicrous. It was this big LCD screen. It was like, Motel 6. And I'm like, you're just a Motel 6. What are you doing? Then I saw a Denny's sign that was like flashing and all that stuff. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? But I think my favorite was, there was this massive sign that's a hole in the wall. And it was for this big Italian restaurant. And I'm like, the sign was maybe 12 feet tall and like 20 feet wide. This huge fucking neon light Las Vegas sign for an Italian restaurant. And I'm like, you are not a hole in the wall if you have this for your sign. It was ridiculous. But um, for those of you who haven't been to Las Vegas, I think the best comparison I can have for the Strip would be like Universal City um, outside Universal Studios. It's lots of big signs, lots of really cool statues, very flashy and eye-catching. And, you know, it's just like beneath this veneer of 
like luxury. It's the same old stuff that we always know. Like there was a Starbucks, there's a Burger King, there's a KFC, there's a Pizza Hut, there's there's everything. It's all here, but it's just so fancy. So it's um it's a fascinating place. I'll be honest, but that's enough out of me. I'm gonna go to bed because I am exhausted. And I'll see you all tomorrow for day two of Vegas. Who knows what crazy hijinks I'll get up to, but we'll find out later on in the podcast. So this week for Songs of the Week, I thought we would do something pretty neat with the two songs that I have chosen for this week. This mostly was inspired by my re-watching of one of my all-time favorite movie trilogies, the Lord of the Rings trilogies. So I thought I would pick the two songs from these movies that always bring a smile to my face. And what I think is interesting about these two songs is that they bookend the entire franchise, not just The Lord of the Rings. So the first song, naturally, is Concerning Hobbits from the very first movie. I mean, it's throughout all of the films, but it really was prominent in the first movie fellowship of the ring it is the song that you hear when you see the shire and it's super happy and all the all the hobbits are out like farming and drinking and hey look here's my giant pig for the festival and bilbo's birthday is around the corner and it's it is so like pretty and beautiful and it just brings a smile to my face but it has a side effect i can't hear this song without wanting to rewatch the entire franchise so it's it's kind of a uh, you know, bittersweet thing where it's like, oh, this song is beautiful. Damn it. Well, there goes the next 16 hours. I'm just going to go watch those movies again. So it is a beautiful song. The themes that Howard Shore came up with for the Lord of the Rings movies are incredible. Um, I will say that it seemed like he gave it his all with um, the first Lord of the Rings trilogies. And then it just kind of, there's a couple interesting themes in um, the Hobbit trilogies, but not nearly as many iconic bits of music as there were in the Lord of the Rings trilogies. The score to those movies is superb. And to bookend it nicely, the song I did a cover of this week was heard in The Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. So the last movie in like this whole Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings six movie adventure. It was the credit song for that film, sung by Billy Boyd, who played Pippin in the original Lord of the Rings movies. Um, it w- was uh, performed by him in the credit song. And I always loved the song because I felt like it really encapsulated the whole journey. I mean, it's a journey for the characters. But if you think about how they filmed like the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, it was filmed basically in one go and about a 15-month chunk of time. They were like living and breathing the, the whole thing the whole time. They were just like down in New Zealand for a year just hanging out and making these movies and just being together and just having this amazing adventure in this wonderful landscape telling this incredible story. And the, the lyrics of The Last Goodbye really kind of capture that feeling of it's sad that it's all over, but let's look back on this incredible journey that we've all just had together and not just the actors themselves or the characters, but we, the fans, who have been there since the beginning with the Fellowship of the Ring all the way through to Battle of the Five Armies. Even though the Hobbit movies weren't very good, we have to recognize that that was the end. That was the last of it. This truly was the end of this whole amazing Peter Jackson Tolkien movie fiesta. So let's hear my my little snippet. I chose my favorite chunk of this song to cover, and that was it. So here's my little bit of uh, The Last Goodbye performed, and I presume written by Billy Boyd. Many places I have been Many sorrows I have seen 
say presumed written by because there's not actually like a Wikipedia article on this song. This is how much of the information I have regarding this particular song. Billy Boyd, who played Peregrine Took in The Lord of the Rings, wrote and recorded... Oh, there we go. It tells me right there. Fuck. I have one sentence of information that tells me anything about the song and it told me the one bit of information I was unsure about. <sighs> anyway, if you guys have a song that you want to have be the song of the week, well, there are several ways you can reach out get in contact with me. Number one, you can use the Going Upcast contact page at goingupcast.com. You can email me at goingupcast at gmail.com or what you can do is I want you to get a blank CD, right? Record yourself singing the song and then download the MP3 off the CD and then email it to me. Because if you guys have a song that you want to cover to be on the Song of the Week segment of this podcast, I'm forever open to that. I cannot wait for you guys to send in you singing songs. Be like, I love this song. Makes me feel really happy. And here I am singing it. I'll slap it right in the podcast. Give you all the shout outs. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But go watch the Lord of the Rings movies if you haven't. Because my God, I can't think of a better trilogy. It is it is the ultimate trilogy. It is just fabulous. I love those movies to death. But let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hey gang, it is the end of day two and I thought I would give you a little little recap a little chatteroo about what I got down to on day two of Las Vegas so I slept in nice and late which was awesome uh, woke up was in the midst of making breakfast and doing my morning routine when uh, my dad came by and we went out for lunch to this place called it was, I think it was like Jose's Flaming Fajitas or something like that. And uh, to be sure, my fajita did come out literally on fire. So that was, that was quite the display. It was very tasty. Um, very good Mexican food. Had a, had a good old time there. We very briefly drove out to Red Rocks uh, Canyon where we realized we didn't have enough time because my dad had to go back to work. And uh, we whipped around and we left. Um, we have plans to go there on Friday, so it's not that much of a loss, but we did see some pretty cool scenery. Uh, I look forward to looking at it in more detail later on. And then uh, I hung out at the pool for a while. It was nice to just kind of chill and not do anything, you know? Like, um, I'm not sure if I spoke about this in the podcast, but I was talking about it with a couple of my friends, where... Most of my vacations are a vacation with a purpose, you know? Like um, when you go to Disney World, it's like, okay, today is this park and we got to do these rides and we have to eat at this restaurant and, you know, there's always, there's always an itinerary, there's always a plan. That was the first vacation in a really long time where basically my plan stopped at, I'm going to Las Vegas to hang out with my dad and after that everything else is just kind of freewheeling, freeboating it. So it was nice to be able to just relax at a poolside. I don't think I've ever really done that, like, at all, ever, before. So that was very nice. Um, I plan on doing more of that tomorrow. And let's see, after the pool time, um, he swung back in. I got dressed, and then we went out to the strip. We hit the strip. Uh, we were looking at some restaurant options. He ended up picking a place called Lemongrass in the Aria, um, which is a wonderful hotel. Uh, the art installations in there were superb. Um, it was very, it was very cool. And there were a couple of like, there's a couple of things that I knew about Vegas coming in. 
Like number one, the hotels are labyrinthian in their design. It's designed to have you get all turned around and lost and stuff and for you to go, ah, fuck it, and then you just sit down at the nearest slot machine and just play. Um, that, that was like one of the things I, air quotes, knew coming in. And I don't think that's actually the case because you don't get lost in a Las Vegas hotel. All you need to do is look at the carpet. The vast majority of the carpet is just this chaotic design that all the machines are sitting upon. But every carpet I saw in every casino we went into last night had this pretty clear-cut path through the fucking casino for traffic to flow. And I'm like, you just follow that. It's your breadcrumb trail back to the entrance. Like this, It's really easy to get in and out of a Vegas casino, um, especially when you're sober and you have your wits about you. So that's my, you know. That was my takeaway from that. But it was a beautiful casino. The art was awesome. We passed by like millions of basically slot machines. That was the vast majority of what I saw when I was just wandering around were different kinds of slot machines. And I'm sitting here going like, you know, I wanted to do like something like skee-ball, you know? And um, my dad pointed out that games of skill don't exist in Vegas because games of skill mean that you can become good at the game and you can beat the game. And if you can consistently win in Vegas, that's a problem. So they don't have games of skill. It's all games of chance. And that doesn't really interest me very much. So I didn't do any gambling last night. Um, might do some gambling tomorrow night. I'm sorry, not last night. Tonight, duh. Um, might do some gambling tomorrow night. I don't know for sure, but... Who knows? Anyway, we're in the Aria, and we go to this place called Lemongrass, which is a Thai food joint. And the food was fine. Um, I think, uh, like, see, it's weird, because I'm an adventurous eater. And when I see weird things on a menu I've never had before, I try them. Because it's like, I've never seen this on a menu before. I don't know when I'm going to see this on a menu again. I must know what this tastes like. My dad doesn't do that. He's the opposite. He orders food that he thinks is just going to be good because it sounds good, you know? So he got, like, fried rice and um, some black pepper shrimp. And his dishes were good. They were tasty. Um, not the best Thai food I've ever had, but it's, it's fine. It was good. I got jellyfish and grilled pork neck because I've never seen either of those items on menu before. Now, the jellyfish arrived... Um, and it looked like peanut butter, like, noodles. It had, a, like, a brown color to it. There were sesame seeds on it. And eating it, it tasted... How do I want to describe this? I think my dad put it best when he was talking about, you know, like, seaweed salads? It has that kind of watery, rubbery crunch to it. That's what it tasted like texture-wise. It was shredded. It was like shredded jellyfish. Um, outside of that, it wasn't too incredible. I've had some of the best seafood you can, you can have in this world. Um, the flavor came from all of whatever they did to it to prepare it. It tasted pickled and maybe slightly fermented. It reminded me of kimchi a little bit. So, Because I imagine jellyfish doesn't hold up to a lot of various cooking um, styles. So that was how it was prepared. It was fine. You know, I've had worse risks when it comes to randomly eating or randomly ordering food you've never heard of. Um, like I would say... My dad loves to give me crap for this one. Probably one of the worst things I've ever eaten was this dessert at a Seattle boat show. It was crab ice cream and meat. 
and ice cream do not go together. And I don't care what anybody says. What about bacon ice cream? No. It doesn't work. It shouldn't have been a thing. This was gross. It's a step too far in this random food direction. So there's a couple of things I know I'll never eat again. Meat with ice cream is no. And I've tried them a bunch of times throughout my whole life. But bugs don't do it for me. I just, I do not enjoy the dry, crunchy, kind of weird, sandy texture of bugs. So I don't eat bugs. That's like, I've tried them a bunch. And I can say without hesitation that I can take a pass on bugs for the rest of my life. That's, uh, that's not a thing I need to try. What about this lovely plate of mealworms? No, I'm good. I'm good. Tastes like sand and dirt. And it's got this weird crunch thing good to it that I don't particularly enjoy. Sorry, drink of water. Anyway, so we go there. Oh, and the grilled pork neck was, um... I don't even know how long to describe this. Pork belly in nature, in terms of meat to fat ratio. But the outer... Like, it was... It was kind of gristly and gritty, and... There was this, like, weird texture to the, like, the... I guess the skin of the pork neck that I was not a fan of at all. Um, and it seemed just like a lesser quality of meat, you know? Like, and if you wanted that kind of indulgent pork flavor, you would just get pork belly. Pork neck seemed just like a... I don't know. They probably put it on the menu because it, you know, it sounds weird and exotic. In reality, I think it's just really inexpensive. So, um, if you've never had pork belly, the next best thing I could equate it to would be beef tongue. So, kind of rubbery, kind of chewy, has a lot of the flavor of the animal in it, you know? But it's, yes, you can take a pass on both of those food items. Those are not necessary things for you to consume in your world food quest, like I am embarking on. I always love ordering weird shit at restaurants, you know? Like, if I go to a, back when I used to eat ice cream, if I would go to an ice cream place, actually, this is the exact opposite. So, I love ordering weird stuff, but at the same time, I don't like branching out in restaurants if they can't get the basics right. Like, when I was back in um, Bellingham uh, at college, there was a really good burger place and there was a really good ice cream place. But the first time I went there, I ordered vanilla ice cream and their default burger. Because I'm like, I'm not getting any of this extra fancy shit if you can't get the fundamentals right. So I always try the fundamentals at restaurants I know I'm going to be back at, you know. If I live right next to it, I want to know they got the basics right. Because if they don't get the basics right on, like, day one, then I'm never going back there again. You know what I mean? But in instances like here, when I'm going to a restaurant that I'm probably not going to be back to for a very long time, if ever, like, I doubt I'm ever going to eat at the lemongrass again. You know? Because the food wasn't very good. That might be a little bit on me for ordering weird shit, but my dad ordered not weird shit, and that food wasn't very good either. So we're probably never going to go back there. So, you know. If I was going to be... If this was a Thai place I was going to be at forever, I would have gotten... Tom Ka, my favorite Thai coconut soup, and I would have gotten whatever that um, peanut noodle dish that everybody talks about. You know the one. I, the name is escaping me. All I can think of is no dashi, and I'm like, that's not a dish. That's just a recipe that doesn't have any dashi in it. So I can't fucking think of the name of this, the dish. You know what I'm talking about, though. It's like the Thai dish. It's like the, the number one. Anyway, so we eat there, and that was all great. And then what we do is we leave the Aria and start wandering down the Strip, which 
as I, I think I described yesterday, is very Times Square-y, is very Universal City. It's, it's very flashy and flamboyant. And we're wandering down the strip and there's just people everywhere. It's a very popular place to be, Las Vegas, who knew? And we walk over to the Bellagio, watch the fountain show, which is very cool. My fountain show that I saw was to Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars, which, despite my, you know, particular tastes of music, is not a bad song. It's, it's not a bad song. He is not a bad musician. It's just not my, it's not my jam. It's not my speed. It's not my style, but whatever. The fountains were very cool. They were a lot louder than I expected, for sure, because there's, these fountains were shooting water, I think, almost 200 feet in the air. It sounded like fireworks going off, minor explosions of these water jets just bursting out. So, very cool. I took a couple of pictures. Took a lot of pictures of Vegas, actually. They're all going to end up on the blog. So, if you just want to see, like, a photo journal of my Las Vegas trip, you can just go to the blog. I imagine there's going to be several different posts of a bunch of different things. So one of them will be the Bellagio water fountains, which were very cool. Um, it was it was very neat. It was a very nice nice quick show. We had a good spot, and then I just wandered into the Bellagio, which um, me knowing nothing about Vegas going in, knew it was like one of the nicest hotels on the Strip. It's like it's the Bellagio. It's the it's the supreme. At least that was my impression of it going in, and. It was funny. I was making comparisons as we were wandering around the Bellagio with this very old school kind of, I, I would describe it as Art Deco, only because it reminded me a lot of a bunch of the Disney aesthetic, like this kind of white crown molding, uh, very almost Victorian style, is pretty popular in a lot of Disney hotels as well. But... It doesn't have that, that feel of authenticity like the Disney hotels do, I guess. You're looking around at these things, and it looks right. And the colors are correct. And the shapes are right. But it still doesn't feel legit. It was a very nice hotel. One of the nicest hotels I've ever been in, for sure. I don't know what the rooms were like. I can't attest to that. But the, the main lobby aperture bit was all very nice. And, of course, it has machines as far as the eye can see. And one thing I realized wandering around that I was getting progressively madder at was the number of machines that were built and designed and maintained by fucking Konami. And I'm like, this is why you don't make games anymore. Because you're too busy making a bunch of money on these fucking Las Vegas gambling machines. However, there was one of these machines that I actually thought was mechanically very cool. It was a horse racing game. And so you would bet on your horse, and then these little mechanical magnetic horses would then run around this huge track in, like, the middle of the game. And, like, the horses were, um, I was going to say animated, but, like, they were running um, very mechanically, and, it, like, it looked very smooth. And the horses would, like, change lanes, which meant there were, like, magnets underneath the track, like, moving the horses around. And then while you're betting, the horses are just, like, running in circles and doing all these cool little things. And the game was, in and of itself, very interesting. I wasn't very good at it because each of the horses I mentally picked before they ran came in, like, 7th and 5th and stuff like that. I didn't do very well. But the game itself was very interesting, and that was a Konami game. So that game was cool. But I still want Konami to knock it off and make games again, but that's fine. Uh, we wandered around the Bellagio for a while, um, just kind of just kind of dicking around. We ended up going up 
to the monorail that traveled between the Bellagio and the MGM um, because it stopped off at the Aria where we had parked our car. And before we had gotten in, like, my dad was saying, like, oh, yeah, well, we get a really cool view of the strip from the monorail. And I'm like, that's pretty neat. And we get in the monorail, and the lights are really bright on the inside of the monorail, and the windows are tinted. And if you know anything about science, you know what that inevitably means is that the only thing we could see in the monorail were our own stupid reflections. And we couldn't look out the windows because the interior lights were really bright. And the windows were tinted so we couldn't see out of it. And I'm like, this is very poorly designed. There shouldn't be any lights on the inside. And the windows shouldn't be tinted so you can see the fucking strip as you monorail down it. But anyway, we did that. We got off at the Aria, wandered around a bit more. And then we hopped in the car and went home because my dad had a big meeting that he has to do tomorrow morning. And, uh, you know, we had to get sleep and stuff like that. So, oh, we did a little hot tubbing there at the end, which was very nice. It was very warm. I need to find some lotion or something, though, because my, my legs are super dry, super dry in this desert sun. So that's what we did today. And uh, tomorrow, like I said, he's got a big meeting. Um, probably going to get going later in the day to do something. Um, he was talking about going to the Palms, which is an off-strip resort. Uh, that I think his company owns, or another company owns, I don't remember. Um, get some drinks. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, tonight's dinner restaurant will be better than the lemongrass. Uh, but then on Friday, we've got plans to do Red Rocks and um, just kind of have fun and bounce around and do some stuff. So I was looking into some things like um, I know New York, New York has a roller coaster. And I was originally told that the roller coaster cuts through the casino. And um, that does not appear to be the case. Uh, I watched a video of the roller coaster on YouTube, and it seemed all outdoors. So I'm like, that seems like a bummer. And then there were, I knew there were some zip lines in Vegas, but then I saw some videos of the zip lines, and those also don't seem very whatever. Like, I've been zip lining before; it's fine. Um, see, my problem with zip lining is that it's not very physically difficult, and also the height doesn't frighten me, and the speed isn't very fast. So it's like there's nothing really for me. In zip lining. I mean, besides seeing whatever, but you watch a video of them zip lining, and then you get to see what they're seeing, and you're just you're done. So that was a moment of pass. I know there's a really good aquarium in Las Vegas at um, Mandela Bay. Uh, yeah, Mandela Bay. I keep calling it Mandela Bay, but apparently that's wrong. So it's Mandela Bay. Uh, they have an aquarium, which could be interesting. I don't know. Um, might do that. Well, just play it by ear. Uh, but I have, as of yet, to do any actual gambling. And um, like I mentioned before, it's just not really... Like, the anticipation of not knowing if you're going to win or not is absolutely my speed. Do not misunderstand me. That is 100% my MO. That's why I loved Wonder Trading in Pokemon. That's why I love Loot Crate Mystery Boxes. I love not knowing what's going to happen. I love that sensation. I don't think me gambling in Las Vegas is going to give me that, to be perfectly honest with you. Because I kind of know going in I'm not going to win, you know? And the games themselves are not interesting enough to get me to, like, spend that money. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, you want to go pull this lever and watch some shit flip around? And you don't know which numbers you need to line up in order to win big, but, yeah, this is bing, 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 oh, you lose. And I'm just kind of like... 
just doesn't, just does nothing for me. So I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of my ammo. I've now wandered into the bathroom so I can get some lotion on my legs because fuck, they're dry. Well, I should probably, you know what, I'm going to wait because I'm going to take a shower here and, um, and a little bit to get the chlorine off and then, uh, and then I'll lotion up. Anyway, that's what, uh, that's what today was all about. And, um, yeah, like I said, who knows what we get up to tomorrow, but I'm pretty excited. Naturally, I'll tell you all about it later on in the podcast. Last week, we finished Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And the episodes were exceedingly late. My goal was to get them up Tuesday before I left, completely spaced on that. And the episodes did not finally go up until Saturday after I got back. I apologize for the delay. That was not my intention. As you heard on the podcast, my intention was to upload them that day. Did not do it. I'm so sorry. I just got completely sidetracked packing for the trip and all that stuff. But regardless, this week, the first three chapters of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire will upload on time, I promise. Chapter one, The Riddle House. Chapter two, The Scar. And chapter three, The Invitation. Now, I have paced out the Goblet of Fire, and it will carry us into January of 2019. So settle in for this book. It's a long one. And if you think this is a long, wait till book five comes around, because that's the longest one in the series. But anyway, let's talk about this week's moment. This week's moment... This week's moment comes from the very first chapter in which I express my distaste with the ludicrous nature of the absence of sound when sound should absolutely be present. Yeah, that made sense. Let's listen to it. And put the kettle down at once, hurried back upstairs as fast as bad leg would allow, and was soon back in the kitchen, fully dressed and removing a rusty old key from the hook by the door. He picked up his walking stick, which was propped against the wall, and set off into the night. The front door of the riddle house bore no signs being forced, nor did any of the windows. Frank limped around to the back of the house until he reached a door almost completely hidden by Ivy, took out the old key, put it into the lock, and opened the door noiselessly. That is some horse shit. It's a rusty old key and a rusty old lock and a door covered by ivy and he opened the door without a word. Plus he's a bumbling, deaf, staff-toting old man. This some bitch is going to make some fucking noise when he goes in the back of this goddamn house. It's going to play a... As the door opens. And then the soft like patter of dirt hitting the ground. And then he's going to go like... As he walks in with his, his cane, that wasn't like a hip-hop beat. That was just, you know, step, step, cane, step, step, cane, step, step, cane. You know, it's that kind of that kind of mentality. Anyway, he's not, there's no way in the fuck this old man is sneaking into this house without making a noise. I'll tell you that for free. If you want to know more, you're going to have to pay me, though. That's all you're getting for free. Three brand new chapters of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire will land every Wednesday, except for the final week, because just like Prisoner of Azkaban, the number of chapters in Goblet of Fire are not easily divisible by three, which means we will once again have a week of four chapters at the very end of the Goblet of Fire, which I think works out fine, because those last couple of chapters get pretty dicey, get pretty intense, and I don't know about you, but I want to listen to those chapters kind of all in a row, pretty quick you know there's not a good moment to uh to kind of break them up after like 
chapter so-and-so i forget the the numbers of the chapters but there's like there's a moment when like it all starts to like really take off and you don't want to stop listening to it in that period so i'll make sure that uh it syncs up nice when we get to the end but we're right at the beginning so let's just settle in wednesday night every wednesday night moving forward into january goblet of fire but for now let's move on to the next thing in the podcast so i completely blanked yesterday and forgot to record what I did that day, so I'm going to do my best to remember what I did yesterday on the Today Times. And I suppose I can talk a little bit about what I've done today. So let's see, yesterday I woke up, uh-huh, I can say that with certainty, I did wake up. I made some eggs, I believe. Let's see here. And then I saw a double feature, watched, watched some movies. I watched Dark Knight Rises and Goodfellas. And I tell you, those are two strange movies to play back-to-back to each other. Um, and then went to lunch. We went to a sushi place. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Surprising, I know, coming from, a, coming from Las Vegas. But the, um, the sushi itself was fine, like the rolls, the sashimi slices, were definitely thawed from frozen, um, so that was not as good. I will readily admit that was not as good, but it was it was a fine meal. And then came back, um, did some more pool time. Did that for a couple of hours, I think. I was out there in the pool area, just relaxing and chilling and floating around. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm probably going to do more of that today. And then after that, we decided to. Oh gosh, what did we do for dinner? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, right. So what we did yesterday was we got subs from this local sandwich place. And we rode out to Red Rocks Canyon, which is stunning. There's a couple pictures on the blog that you can go take a look at that were snapped by yours truly. Um, it It was very cool. I think it was probably one of my preferred national park experiences because... We just drove around the scenic loop trail and were able to see all these stunning vistas and stuff without ever having to leave the car, which is naturally the number one way to explore is in comfort like that. So we did that. And then from Red Rocks, we went out to um, the Palms, which is an off-strip casino. Um, But it was pretty good. It was pretty nice. We got some whiskey there and uh, watched a little bit of the eagles giants game enough to watch the giants get thumped um and move on with their day and then uh and then i did a little bit of gambling i did a did a little bit i was mostly curious and i had some some one dollar bills in my pocket so i i gambled first dollar goes in i accidentally hit the button on the machine and immediately lost it and i was like crap so then i put in two more dollars um into one machine and i won 10 cents um, out of those three bucks, so net loss of two dollars and ninety cents. And then I did another machine later on, where I put in the one dollar and immediately won two dollars. And then I spent both of those and lost them. And then I gambled, I think, one more dollar after that. So a net loss of like six dollars and ninety cents. I still have the uh, the ten cents that I won though. Um, I, I like, I cashed out immediately and I went over to the machine and I got that, got the money there and I was fully expecting a single dime, but of course I got two fucking nickels 
because of course they did. It was very entertaining at the time. Um, I have a little bit of cash left, but I'm not really sure what the plan is for tonight. I think I've got like a fiver. Um, so I've got I got a little bit more more gambling dosh <sighs> in my wallet that I could spend, but that's probably all I'm gonna lose. So. And that guy came to this vacation with like $11 in cash. And I'm like, that's that's my gambling money. That'll be fine. Get the taste of it. And then that's it. You know, that's how you do. And, um, yeah, that's basically all we did yesterday. Uh, we came home after that and basically went straight to bed. It was a very long, tiring day. And today, I woke up, had the other half of my sub, um, which was fine. I watched The Mummy. Which is good. And right now I'm watching Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Um, we just had lunch, which comprised of some pretty tasty street tacos, which I have the leftovers in the fridge tomorrow. So I've got some breakfast stuff. I can quickly whip together before I fly out tomorrow morning. And uh, I think the plan tonight is to go to... Uh, sorry, I'm really tired. But I think the plan tonight is to go out to um, uh, old Old Vegas... Something called the Fremont Street Experience, I believe is the plan. So, see what that's all about. Probably get some food somewhere and just uh, just call it a call it a day to come home and chill. So, that's um that's pretty much what the deal is, and it's all been really fun. And I've got a little bit of a headache, but I think that's because of a lack of caffeine. So I'm gonna make tea here in a little bit and hope that fixes it. And uh, I think that's basically all that's going on. We'll talk to you all in the next thing of the podcast. Hey guys, it is I, and I actually remembered to uh, record today's recap uh, before I go to bed. So you're getting a, getting an accurate recounting on what I actually did today. So to catch up where we last left off, I believe I was just kind of chilling, watching movies. Um, Earlier today, uh, we watched uh, Two Towers and then Return of the King, um, two phenomenal movies, some of my all-time favorites right there. And uh, oh gosh, what else? We went to. Did we go anywhere for lunch? No, we didn't. We ordered in. I got some street tacos. They were pretty damn tasty, if I do say so myself. Like I mentioned, I am having the uh, leftovers for tomorrow morning's breakfast before I fly back to. Uh, Seattle in about 12 hours at recording this. I'll be on a plane in about 12 hours. And then uh, my my dad had to go back to work. Uh, and then he came back. And the original plan was to um, grab food and head up to the Fremont um, Street Experience in uh, downtown Las Vegas. But uh, we chatted about it. And then um, we ended up doing some pool stuff where... We tossed the old uh, pig skin around through the football. That was always, that was a lot of fun. We had a good, good time doing that. And then um, I convinced him to take us back to the uh, the strip instead, where we went to Haleo, which is a Spanish tapas restaurant owned and operated by Jose Andres, who is a phenomenal chef. Um, and we went to this casino called the Cosmopolitan which is right next to the Aria, where we ate the first night. Uh, well, not the first night, but the, like the first day, I guess, in Las Vegas. We ate there um, at Lemongrass, you may recall, from earlier in the podcast. But um, 
Haleo uh, was very loud uh, when we first got there, and we had our 845 reservation, but they weren't able to seat us until 9, and I'll be honest, like, um, while we were standing there waiting for our table, despite the fact that we had a reservation, I was actively um, contemplating us going to one of the other dozen or so restaurants on this floor in the hotel, being like, all right, well, these guys clearly are too busy, or they just don't care about us, and we'll just move on to the next place. Um, and right as I was about to pull the trigger on that, they sit us down at our table. And as we're walking through, we're getting greeted by, like, every um, member of staff. Like, hey, how's it going? Welcome to Haleo. Thanks for waiting. You know, that kind of stuff. And you know what? They did a little bit of some customer service action. Made us feel pretty special. And I was like, all right, all right. You made us wait, but you know what? Looks like you guys are, you know, doing, doing the proper thing here. Greeting us, making us feel special. Nice, nice. I like it. And so we sit down, and we start flipping through the menu. And this is the sort of place that has um, one of the world's best ingredients um, across the board. Ibirico ham. If you don't know what that is, it's Spanish-fed pigs. They're fed on almost exclusively acorns for four fucking years before they're eventually slaughtered. And then they dry-age the meat, usually, into this delicious prosciutto-like substance of this incredible meat um and that was like everywhere so uh, me and my dad knew kind of what we wanted to do uh, we were looking over the menu and there was like this meat plate of what was it three different types of sausage uh two types of thinly sliced prosciutto-esque ham or hamon if you want to be accurate and then there were like some cheese plates and i saw that there were some abirico ham sliders so what we got we got some abirico ham sliders we got three different types of cheese that had some pairings with them for example this one cheese which probably and i'm not speaking in um oh what's the term it's not hyperboles is it hyperboles um maybe yeah i think so i'm not you know I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say it was probably one of the tastiest cheeses I've ever eaten. It was called Payoyo, I believe is what it was. P-A-Y-O-Y-O was the cheese. It's a sheep's and goat milk blended cheese. And he and I both took a bite and kind of looked at each other and went, oh my God, this is incredible. It was creamy. It was firm. It had the bite of goat cheese and the smoothness of the sheep's milk cheese, and it was this incredible blend of flavors and textures all in one cheese. And um, we liked it so much that we actually ordered another round of just that cheese, and it was paired with Marcona almonds, which are always tasty. And the other two cheeses were decent, but they were not anywhere near the level that fucking Payoyo cheese was. Holy crap, it was, it was unreal. How tasty that cheese was. It, w it wasn't like you never got used to the flavor. It was like you take a bite and you're just your mind is blown. And then you take the next bite and your mind is still the same level of blown. It's it's good every bite. You don't get used to it. It hits you every time. And it was fucking awesome. I loved it. So we got that. We got the cheese plate. And then the meat plate shows up. And the thinly sliced tamon, that was pretty good. You know, I have prosciutto fairly often, so I'm pretty familiar with the melt-in-your-mouth um, pork that you can get with those really thin slices, but there's a lot of 
intravascular meat and stuff like that. It's really fucking good. But the sausages were a bit of a surprise. Historically, before we went to this restaurant, I have never been the biggest fan of chorizo sausage. I'm not, I don't get it. Like, it always has, like, too many spices going on, and I know it always tasted kind of, like, cheap, I guess would be would be the way to describe it. So, I think after having the chorizo at this place, I have simply just been exposed to really bad chorizo because this sausage was incredible. It had a pretty strong garlicky vibe to it, but what really did it for me was the smoke. You're chewing it, and like, as you're chewing it, the, my mouth is watering just thinking about this. The smoke kind of comes at you in waves. It's kind of mellow in the beginning, and as you keep going, it strengthens in potency. By the end, it's like a barbecue. It's like, oh, it's just, mm, it's just like the waves of smoke really did it for me, along with the really good level of spice and the taste of the pork. It was just, it was such a good chorizo sausage. It was so fucking tasty. So I'm like, why can't I have that as chorizo all the time? If I went to fucking Chipotle and got a chorizo burrito, you can bet your ass it's not going to taste like that. It's going to taste like fat and grease because that is what I've always associated chorizo with. And this was dry, cured, smoked sausage, and it was fucking incredible. So perhaps it's just how they prepare it. But let me tell you, this chorizo, out of this world, is incredible. But nothing came close to being as tasty as the full bore, four year, eight corn fed slices of Iberico ham we got. With the meat plate, it was like a certain amount of money, and then for a bit more you can add the, the king, the king of pork products, which is the Iberico ham. Now I've had Kurabudo pork chops, which is Japanese pork. It's um, it's actually I believe it's a wild pig, where they get that. It's like kind of hairy, and it lives in Japan, and they kill it. And um, that pork is excellent, but Iberico ham. I mean, it's it's it doesn't even really taste like pork. It's like it comes from a whole nother animal. It's sweet from the acorns. The the fat tied with the meat, it just melts in your mouth. It's so fucking delicious. I don't I can't even put it into words. You simply have to get your hands on a Barico ham. Good old fashioned. Hardcore carved right off the leg. A Barico ham. It's one of the best meat things I've ever eaten. Ever. It might be number one. I can't think of anything that really comes close to it. Like, I've had hanger steak, which, uh, according to some, is like the, the hidden diamond in the rough when it comes to, like, beef steak. Because you only get one hanger steak per cow. It, it like, comes from, uh, I think it's like the collarbone area. Like, they only have one of these per cow. So it's very expensive cut of meat. And that didn't even come close to the levels of complexity that you get with a Barico ham. It comes at you in so many different areas. It's salty. It's sweet. It's just straight up delicious. Umami would be the right term to use here. It has that richness to it. That unctuous flavor of perfectly prepared meat. 
There's nothing else like it. Nothing else comes close. It is in a league of its own, and it's incredible. And it's very expensive because of it. But that, that bite, let me tell you. Whew, wow. Now, you might be thinking, I mentioned earlier in this segment of the podcast that we also got Ibirico Ham Sliders. Now, let me tell you, Ibirico Ham is delicious. But, ironically, the flavor is pretty subtle. And if you pair Ibirico Ham with almost anything else, the flavor of the ham is instantly lost. For example, I took a piece of the incredible Ibirico ham, and I paired it with that amazing cheese I mentioned before. The cheese flavor completely annihilated the Ibirico ham. You could not taste the meat at all, not even a little bit. It was just gone. It was just cheese. So, we got these sliders, and they had these peppers on them. I thought it was just a normal red bell pepper. I believe he was calling them pepitos. Pepitos? Not really sure what that is, but I'm pretty sure that was the word he used. It had one of those on the bottom of this little slider bun, and that had the little, you know, slider patty, which I'm pretty sure was a pork bun. It might have been a pork beef mixture, thinking back on it. It was supposed to have birico bacon on it. Didn't really taste that. And then it had a garlic aioli and a pickle on top. Now, don't get me wrong, it was a good slider. The pickle was very kind of sweet and sour. The pepito pepper thing was the dominant flavor of the slider. It took over the entire thing. That's pretty much all you tasted. It was a good flavor, but because of its incredibly strong flavor, and if they actually did use Birico ham in the patty, if that was the only source of meat for the patty, it was completely lost. It could have been any meat. You wouldn't have known. And if that was your only exposure to a Pirico ham, you missed the boat completely. You could not taste it in that slider. Not at all. It was, it got completely drowned out by the other ingredients in the slider. Still a tasty slider, but not if you want a Pirico ham. It, it would not get the job done. So all in all, it was a wonderful dining experience. Oh, I almost forgot. Now, back in Bellingham, I'm not sure why this was such a big thing in Bellingham, but I swear, like, 9 out of 10 restaurants you go to in Bellingham, you can order a drink called Rosemary Lemonade, which quickly became one of my favorite beverages to get in Bellingham. It was sour, it was sweet, it had this earthy herbal note from the rosemary. I fucking loved it. And they had it on the menu here. Rosemary Lemonade, it was on the menu. It was as good as it ever was. And for me, Haleo won huge nostalgia points. They didn't know it. I didn't tell them. But for me and my, my soul, and the fact that they had rosemary lemonade on their menu, and it was good rosemary lemonade, brought me right back to my college days, and I fucking loved it. I, I cannot get enough of that delicious, delicious meal. It was pretty fucking good. It was premium. I cannot recommend you go to this place more highly than I am right now. Uh, you, If you live in the Las Vegas, D.C., soon Orlando, uh, I think Bethesda, and Mexico City. Um, I believe there's one more, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. There's, there's like six of these in the world. Find your nearest one. Make it a pilgrimage. 
because it was fucking amazing. And I loved it. And then we came back to the house and watched some music videos and just had a good old time. And the plan for tomorrow is I'm going to wake up around like 8, 8.30, uh, take a shower, pick up all my crap that's spread throughout the entire house, um, eat breakfast, and then head off to the airport and hop on the plane and fly back to, uh, to Washington and get ready for work, unfortunately. But, and that is a, that was my, my time in Vegas. I, uh, did a little bit of gambling, came out in the, in the red, but you know what? I'm not too deep in the red, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Uh, I had a wonderful time hanging out with my dad and, um, I'm actually going to be back here in Vegas in about a month. So looking forward to that. And that will be uh, for a longer period of time, and my brother will be here, so it'll be it'll be a bit more of a a bit more of a thing. I'm very much looking forward to that. We're p playing around with the idea of uh, doing Disneyland at the same time, so I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen, but it's a very intriguing possibility, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And um, next time, I definitely want to do like the Fremont Street Experience and the Hoover Dam would be incredible if we could swing that. So next time, I got some. Uh, Got some goals for what I want to do in Vegas. But you know what? I will say this. I know a lot of people come here for the gambling, but bang for your buck, there's a shit ton of things you can do in Vegas without losing a dime. You know? If you spend your money right and eat in amazing restaurants and see the nature and do some of the other things, you know? Like, throwing your money down in a game of chance, that's not fun. But eating incredible food and Spending time with your family, that's fun. So that's what Vegas is about for me now. That's that's a vastly more preferable activity. So I think I'll I think I'll leave it there. And uh thanks for listening to uh to the travel diary. I suppose I might have a little bit here at the end of uh, what my flight was like, but more or less that was my trip to Vegas. So thanks for listening guys and let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hey guys! So I want to talk about something I have not spoken about in a very long time and that's because i fell off the bandwagon a long time ago um but i kept checking in every now and then to see how it was coming along um and that thing is doctor who doctor who just started its whatever season i think it's like season five million and a half because it's been going on for like 70 years um i think it's more like 50 six or something i don't know it's been going on for a long time and i'm sure many of you out there like myself started watching doctor who when it got rebooted in 2009 uh, with christopher eccleton as the ninth incarnation of the doctor and then we kept going when david Tennant became the 10th doctor and blew us away with his incredible charismatic performance now we now we have a brand new doctor portrayed by jody whittaker who you know, I don't know how you could have missed this. It was huge news that, oh my God, a woman's playing Doctor Who. And I wish that wasn't as big of a deal as it turned out to be, you know? Like, everybody got so excited because Jodie Whittaker's a woman playing the Doctor. I wish it was just like, here's this amazing actor now being the Doctor. Cool. I Like, people fu fixate on the fact that it was a woman way too hard i wish that wasn't the case i wish it was just we were at that point culturally where it didn't matter what actor was playing what role we were just open and accepting of all types 
in everything. I, you know, I want to see a woman play James Bond. I want to see a black person play James Bond. I want to see all these different actors play these iconic characters with their own interpretations. I think that'd be amazing. So perhaps this is a step in the right direction culturally, and we'll see more of that moving forward because having a woman play a character that has been portrayed by men exclusively since its inception is a big deal. I wish it wasn't. I wish this happened way sooner, but here we are in the now, and quite frankly, it's, you know, how did she do? That's what everybody's wondering, because playing the Doctor is is so, uh, how do I want to put this? Not elevated. It's so, like, intangibly exalted. There we go. That's the term. It's exalted. It's like, oh, you're playing the Doctor. This character has been around forever. If you've seen some Doctor Who, even, even a little bit of Doctor Who, you have a pretty clear-cut idea of what it means to be the Doctor. And so did I. I base all my Doctor Who performances off of David Tennant because in my head, he did it the best. I tried Matt Smith's run and I didn't like it. And I tried Peter Capaldi's run and I didn't like it. So I was like, all right, let's start with Jodie Whittaker and see how she does. Episode one starts off with the same kind of focus on the side characters who nobody really cares about. Like, my thing with Doctor Who, especially in the early episodes, is I don't care about the characters until I know I'm supposed to care about them. Like, I don't care about any of the peripheral side characters until they are shown to be the new companions or whatever. Then I'll check in and start caring about them. But as it is right now, I don't care about any of the side characters because they're not companions yet. So there's a little too much focus on the human side characters, which is fine because Doctor Who needs that human element for us, the audience, to relate to the aliens and stuff. Um, I mean, it is a kid show at the end of the day, so it's nice to have that kind of firm foundation of um, relatable individuals in the show. I, you know, the Doctor is so fantastical and whimsical and, quite frankly, capable that a lot of people can't relate to the Doctor, we can just sit back and go, damn, the Doctor's cool. And Jodie Whittaker's version of the Doctor is radical. Not only do I love her mannerisms of being the Doctor, I was a big fan of the design of her uh, inevitable Doctor costume, which I think is this beautiful blend of like sci-fi and um, what I've what I've been kind of describing her as is like a, a tinkerer. Um, she seems very mechanically minded and solves um, most of the problems she has in this episode with technological creations that she does herself there's a couple of pretty humorous uh montages of her like making her own sonic screwdriver and stuff like that which i think is pretty cool whether this trend will continue throughout the rest of the season once she recovers her tardis i don't know i hope it does because i think that's a fun thing that she's capable of doing being very mechanically minded um is is awesome uh so i would love to see more of that doubt it's gonna be a thing but in the here and the now it's a lot of fun the alien enemies in this first episode were weak they were they weren't they were not the great and with a show that is all about the alien enemies it's a monster of the week show like buffy the vampire slayer and doctor who and mostly doctor who this doctor who episode was a lot like doctor who um that's super important to get the monsters right it's super like second to getting the doctor right which they did i think they got the doctor to a t 
which is awesome. I'm very excited to see Jody Whittaker take the, the role in this fun new direction. Um, but you gotta get the monsters right. And you can't bring out the Daleks and the Cybermens and the whatever, the, the, the ooh. You can't, the ood. You can't bring them out right out the gate. I understand that. But you gotta be able to come up with something better than a really cold dude with a bunch of teeth in his face. Okay? There has to be, a, there's a midpoint between the Weeping Angels and wherever the fuck this was. There's something in the middle that you should be aiming for, okay? Don't aim for the top tier, but you gotta do better than that. That's This is this is not acceptable in a show that's all about the monsters. So, I'm hoping they get better as the show progresses. So, you know, that's what I want at the very least. Um, I say the first episode followed a pretty tight narrative arc. It kind of bookended itself pretty nicely. And then there was a little bit at the end that I completely wasn't expecting. Although in hindsight, I probably should have. Because, you know, you see this kind of shit all the time. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it was very good. It's a great entrance to Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Um, I'm very excited to see where it goes from here. Because Doctor Who is one of those shows that when they miss the mark... It's really painful to watch, okay? But when they hit the mark and they have a really good episode, those are some of the best moments of television. Blink is right up there at the top. The whole um, the end of the world, like five episode massive finale that said farewell to David Tennant's character. There's a bunch of amazing Doctor Who episodes out there that are just like, they're right up there. Are you my mommy? First time I saw that. Little corny, little cheesy, little spooky. Great episode. So I can absolutely see this being as good as those episodes. I think they've laid the foundation for Jodie Whittaker to completely take this thing straight up to being some of the best Doctor Who. All they need to do now is maintain, okay? Even with the weak aliens, this was still a very solid episode, so... That's my opinion on it. I'm eager to see where it goes. I highly encourage you to watch it, especially if you haven't seen Doctor Who, because you don't need a lot going in. You'll appreciate it more with the firmer background of previous episodes, especially when they start throwing in a bunch of Easter eggs and callbacks, which they will do because the show's been on for more than 50 years. So there's a lot of past material to work with. So if you want to be able to appreciate all those fun little inside jokes and stuff, you know, you can watch... At least go back and start with season 9. It's a little dated now. I'll be completely honest with you. It's a little dated. Effects are a little bad. Acting's a little terrible. Because the show was from a long time ago now. But, you know, there's a there's a lot of good stuff in there too. So, that's kind of where I've landed on Jodie Whittaker. Like I said before, I wish it wasn't such a big deal that, you know, the Doctor is being played by a woman. I think no matter who gets announced for what role, we should keep an open mind and give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes we're right like when we all complained that scarlett johansson was being cast in ghost in the shell we all said that was a really dumb stupid idea and it was a really dumb stupid idea um and that movie's terrible but other times we're wrong like when we all said heath ledger couldn't play the joker and then he did an amazing job at it so maybe maybe we just sit back and let the whoever makes these movies make their good and or bad decisions on their own and then give them shit for it after the fact you know like i don't know like i'm pretty i want to say i'm pretty empathetic as a person and i don't know how i would feel if i got announced to play 
insert role here, you know? And everybody was just like, what the f- This person? This person's a douche! Fuck this person! Get somebody else! Somebody else for this role! Fuck them! And I'd see all this hate just pour in, and I'd be like, oh, man. Oh, this is a bummer. I really want to- I really want to play the role- Everybody hates me already, they don't- I haven't even done it yet! I just said I would! Now I don't want to! I'm thankful that not many- I don't think any actor has ever backed out from- from public pressure of not wanting to be a role. They, they, I've seen actors back out because they realize that the project's gonna suck, but not because everybody was like, fuck you, you shouldn't do this role. So, I I can't imagine, because being such an iconic character and bringing in, you know, a woman to play this character when it has been played by men this entire time, it was a risky move. I wish it wasn't. I wish culturally we were just cool with it. Uh, and I would say on the whole, people were... I didn't, I didn't see much in the way of, she can't be the doctor, she's a girl. I didn't see much of that. Um, granted, I don't tend to delve too deeply into areas of the internet I know will be negative. Um, I know, you know, you, you want to stay informed and all that and whatever, but in order for my own mental health and my own peace of mind, if something is so aggressively negative towards pretty much anything on the internet nowadays, I just turn, I turn it off, you know, I just, I can't do it, can't do it, man, especially when, you know, I'm all about the happy, I turn all of that negative stuff off, so, keep an open mind, give them a shot, you never know who's going to kill whatever role, you never know, you've got to give them the chance to impress you, you've got to give them the chance to surprise you, because after all, that's all they want to do, they want to entertain you, that's, that's kind of the end goal there. So, and if you come right out the gate going, you're not who I would have cast, well, give him a shot and shut up. Because, you know, if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to make a difference in who gets cast in one movie, you could become a, a talent agent and you can move into the casting industry, but you're not going to do that, are you? You're just going to sit on your couch and complain. Jody Whitaker did an amazing job. I can't wait to see more of it. I want this to be the first of many fun new people playing awesome iconic roles bring on the female james bond bring on you know i just i want more okay i want more of this stuff keep changing hollywood i love it go watch doctor who and let's move on to the next thing in the podcast hey so unlike the other moments of my audio diary for the las vegas trip i'm back in my in my house at my recording setup, it's nice. I'm back in my chair. I've got some nice socks on. It's warm in my room. And I'm real sleepy because it's pretty late at night. Um, not to say that I just got back. I just remembered to record <laughs> this part of the uh, of the audio diary. So I thought I'd give you guys a quick rundown on how the rest of my trip went. Um, woke up this morning, made breakfast, all that jazz. Uh, my, my pal, my pappy, and I hung out for a little bit. We, uh, watched some movies. Um, well, not movies. We watched most of a movie before it was time to take me to the airport. And, um, I did not have much, um, of a look-see at the Las Vegas International Airport when I landed. Um, I kind of just got off the plane, grabbed my bag, hopped in the car, and went on my merry way to the, uh, to the rooftop pool party, you may remember. 
Uh, this time around, I uh, showed up. So, let's see. The boarding of the flight was at 10.30. The flight took off at 11.10. I arrived at the airport at 10 o'clock. So, I'd given myself half an hour to get to the gate before the boarding process began. And it was one of those situations in which it didn't really matter what anybody else was doing. But if my progress in getting to the gate was held up at any point by an individual, I went from like completely calm to like like red haze descending over my eyes mad instantly. Because I'm like, I'm going to miss my flight if this type of stuff keeps happening. Um, and I'll say this for um, LAS. It's not LAX. That's Los Angeles. LAS. They got lost. I don't know why. Should have been to Los Angeles. But whatever. You know. I don't understand how the naming scheme works for all that stuff. But the, the TSA line was deceptively long. It didn't look that bad when, you, when I wandered over there. But the problem was is that it wasn't like three separate lines like they lead you to believe. It is one line and it just snakes back and forth like all over the place to like weave you through it. And I'm like, God, this is annoying. And then you finally get through and you go through TSA and they pulled my bag aside because there's a jacket in there and they can't get a clear picture. And they're like, we're sending it back through. And I'm like, you're wasting my time. There's nothing in there besides the jacket, but whatever. <sighs> I got my bag. I got all my stuff. I got to the gate. I got to the gate at 10, like 45 and they hadn't begun the boarding process. So I was fine. I got to, I went to Hudson news, got my, got my water bottle. It was all well and good. Got on the flight. And interestingly enough, for this flight, it was an old Virgin America plane. And if you don't know, Virgin America was an airline that uh, was, I would say, pretty popular. Um, at least in terms of in-flight entertainment, it had some of the best stuff on there. I remember this one Virgin America flight I took where uh, they had video games. And there was a video game controller like in the armrest. And you could play like old school Doom and stuff like that. I remember that. That's what I remember. Um, they didn't have the video games on this particular in-flight, but it had like movies and TV, which is more than I could say for most um, Alaskan uh, airline flights. They usually don't have um, in-flight entertainment, at least not in terms of like a screen in the back of the chair. You can like take out your own device and log into their Wi-Fi and watch a bunch of stuff that way. But I, I never really thought that counted. I mean, in a way it makes sense, especially when they provide USB port for like your devices and stuff like that so you can keep them charged i guess it kind of makes sense um i've just never taken advantage of it so it was nice to have like a screen there in front of me where i could just like pick whatever and i watched a bit of uh fellowship of the ring i watched a bit of return of the king um because they had the extended editions on on the flight which i think should be a staple for all flights like i don't care like if you know if i'm gonna take a 12-hour a flight from here to London, you know, or whatever. I can't think of three movies I would want to watch more than the three Lord of the Rings movies extended. Like, that's your flight. <laughs> it doesn't matter how long your flight is. The third movie is four and a half fucking hours long. That's your flight, you know? So, they need it. that needs to be on every flight, always. You need to have three Lord of the Rings movies. That's like my go-to, my go-to flight thing. But I watched some of that. Um, as we were descending, I didn't feel like listening to anything, so I just put on... They had, like, all the Pixar shorts, which was great, because you can watch that without the sound, because that's the beauty of those short films, is that you get the entire story just with the visuals. So, I just watched some of those. Those were a lot of fun. 
um it's just some of the best storytelling are those pixar short films they're amazing and then you know landed got my bag hopped in the car traffic was brutal on the way home because there's like two major highways that go from the airport back to my house and one of them was just straight up closed and the other one was brought down from five lanes down to two so it was it was it was brutal but got home cooked some chicken made some dinner that was very nice caught up on uh work emails which was very good caught up on um some tv um that sort of thing it was just it was just a very it was a very pleasant pleasant evening and uh now i'm just doing you know some podcasting stuff and getting ready for bed here in a second oh i did my laundry and all that stuff um i will leave you all with my impressions of las vegas with one more one more statement and that was my shock at how many intellectual properties had been turned into gambling machines i saw marvel iron man gambling machines i saw austin powers gambling machines i saw james bond gambling machines i saw lord of the rings gambling machines i saw gambling machines for almost every popular movie of like the last 100 years there were gambling machines for everything and i'm just like this is this was an area of like having something that was pot like let's say i created something you know zippy the sock puppet all right everybody loves zippy the sock puppet he's a he's a video game character he's a he's a tv show and he's a movie star you know everybody loves zippy the sock puppet i never would have expected in a million fucking years to get a call from like one of these companies that makes these games um and they're like hey we want to make as what is what was his name zippy the sock puppet we want to make a zippy the sock puppet slot machine what do you think i never that just was never a thing that really occurred to me so i don't know i i just thought that was really interesting that so many people from all over from all over the like the entertainment world it wasn't just like disney or universal it was like everybody got in this gambling game and that really surprised me i was just like oh that's interesting especially when it's all basically the same fucking game but whatever whatever that's just that surprised me about las vegas but it was a lot of fun and i'm very much looking forward to my return journey in uh in november i'm going back for that's more of a business trip but it's still gonna be a lot of fun because my brother's gonna come down too still gonna stay with my dad we're just gonna have just a good old good old week i'm very much looking forward to but uh i think that'll do it for not only my audio diary of las vegas but i think that'll do it for this week's episode of the going up cast quick side note before i sign off i'm not sure what happened but last week on thursday i believe it was my biggest single day for the going up cast that i've ever had i had more views on the main website that day than any other day since we've started so to whomever decided to check out the going up cast that day thank you very much for checking out the going up cast Please tell me what I did to make you come to the website so I can do it a million times more often because that day was awesome and I want more days like it. So thanks for listening to this incredibly long episode of the Going Up Cast. I hope you enjoyed uh, my my talks about what I did in Vegas and all that stuff and the, the little snippets in between. Um, there are a ton of new blog posts that will be uploaded throughout this week. So be sure to check those out. Be sure to check out the start of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And be sure to also watch the promo video um, that should be up on the same page as the Goblet of Fire audiobook. It'll be like amongst the chapters. So you can go and watch it there. Um, I think I think it's pretty good. And uh, I'm so actually, I'll leave this as an open question for you guys. I am torn 
between two things right now with the uh, the promo video because the promo video that's on like my old YouTube channel is like two minutes long, but there is like an eight minute extended cut of like a bunch more skits that I didn't think were that funny, but they're decent. You know, there there's some there's some you know you get the idea of what the jokes are. So if, if you guys want to see like the extended cut, it's you know it's 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 solid. It's funny. It's just more of the same. Um, really. So, but I can, I can upload that as well. Um, I wasn't going to, but you know, if there's like a, a cry for it, I, I can easily do that. Easily do that. But I'm just going to upload the, the shorter version for now because you know, short attention spans of today's youth. Anyway, I'm just rambling. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Going Up cast. New Harry Potter chapters landing this week. Be sure to check out the blog posts. Enjoy the songs of the week. And Hey, you know what? I'll see you all next week for something just as fun as whatever this week was, which was a trip thing. Talk to y'all later. Bye!